The Tights and Fights podcast, for over six years, a revolutionary force in sports and entertainment. It's somebody's birthday! So a recording special episode! It's Julie's birthday! That was a spoiler! We're gonna talk about wrestling! For Julie's birthday! Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm the ECW, ECW champion, Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by my fellow member of the Nation of Conversation, Pun Nightstand, Julian Burrell, the birthday boy. Yeah, I love the idea that, um, happy birthday, that one's not, that one's, uh, not terribly in the, uh, in the free copyright realm, but let's just go yeah. straight to the Beatles instead. <laughs> let's, if we're, if you're going to do it, yeah. do it up, do yeah. it up right. You know what? Let's just sing them both and mix them both together. And I think yeah. we have a, we have a hit on our hands. It's either that or Stevie Wonder or every Bennigan's where it's like, happy, happy birthday. It's your special day. But sing it in Italian like they do at Macaroni Grill. Um. <laughs> happy birthday in Italian to you. Isn't that how they do it? Yeah. Exactly. That's what um, Bill, who lied on his resume about knowing Italians, does when he's out there. The one thing I put on my server resume is, speaks fluent Italian. (laughs) Driver's license, everything that's on an actor's is, driver's license, juggling, impressions, fluent Italian. (laughs) Like, Bill, is there anything else? Uh, Yeah, I actually lied. I don't know how to write my name upside down in a crayon the way they do at the restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I can't add. (laughs) Is that going to be a problem? <laughs> anyway, that is why we we're recording this early, so you don't have to spend any time on your birthday editing. You can bring the episode that the people need and deserve, but also take time for yourself, which is important mm-hmm. on your birthday. Yes. And in honor of that, we're going to trim all the fat this week, because Raw is happening right now. I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, it could be a big one, too. I mean, as we could speak, be, Sami Zayn uh, yeah. is going to be wrestling for a world championship. So if that goes great, yay. Mm-hmm. If he loses, D- I can't believe they're still not letting him have a title. Boo, Seth <laughs> And Rollins. DIY versus the Creed Brothers. Ah, yeah. And and uh, Judgment Day versus New Day. I can only imagine the amount of fun puns that Austin and, and Kofi had. A new Judgment oh, yeah. Day. A Judgy Day. That sort of thing. It could have been a lot oh, of fun. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be... A nutso episode, but we're going to talk about that right now. We're actually going to jump right into giving one corner of wrestling some extra attention. This is our main event. Let's get ready to Anal bleeding. Whoa! Get a life, kid. Rhymes with shit. Holy shit. WWE I love Kate. Look at this face. And a hard fart victory. Live, pal. What? Who is that saying, look at this face? That's still Brock. Okay. That might be a wild card, Brock. I gotta be fair. You have two in there. I might want to get rid of one of them. And I think... I gotta keep getting keep a life, kids. So. It can only get bigger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, can't, it can't shrink it. It can I'll only it, grow. I'll replace it with two things is what will happen. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. 
do we have enough Scott Steiner in there? <laughs> it's good. I should make like three or four different versions of them. One of them can be the Steiner only edition. Steiner math, Steiner, all my freaks out there, Steiner grunting in the middle of a, of an arm wrestling contest. Like a lot of good Scott Steiner content out there. I like the one where he comes out, he goes, everybody Everybody knows, knows, wants to know. know. Like he just sort of go like, (laughs) he's like, if I just ride over the speed bump at at like at 50 miles an hour, no one will notice it was there. (laughs) I loved, uh, there was one time he's going, he's going against Jericho. And Jericho comes out and goes like, look at that thing on your head looking like, because he had the chain mail. He's like, over yeah. there looking like King Arthur, something like that. And then Steiner goes like, he was supposed to say, oh, you think I'm King Arthur? How about I go over there and get medieval on your ass, right? Easy line. Yeah. Instead, he's like, King Arthur, well, why don't you come on here and I'll kick your medieval ass. Grandma forgot her pills again. <laughs> Whoopsie. Uh, speaking of people forgetting their pills, in 2006, a year after a successful ECW one-night stand pay-per-view, WWE decided to resurrect Extreme Championship Wrestling as their third brand. First, they wanted it to be a web-exclusive show that Shane McMahon would be in charge of. But they eventually got Sci-Fi Network to buy in and settled on ECW, the weekly TV show. Man, I, like, <laughs> the history of WWE, which is long and varied, has... The number of swings and misses, like, you know, but it's a batting average and they've had some epic fails. This has got to be one of the biggest ones because they like, it was so toothless. Mm. It was so toothless. It's, it's, it's got to be nice having just dumb money where you can actually create a colossal failure like this and just still be okay as a company right afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll try this out. We'll get a TV deal. That'll, that'll help pay for it. Yeah. It was a shadow. It was like somebody trying to do an impression of ECW. Like you showed them one one episode or one pay-per-view. You showed them like barely legal. And then maybe one episode of of, of their show. And, and then the person was like, got it. <laughs> got it. We'll have a couple of those people here. And then it just became I'm trying to think of any level where it hit. Like the one night stand pay-per-view was, I would say, was yeah, special. Both. I would say first pay-per-view is great. Um, mm-hmm. as like a love letter to a to a time forgotten, you know, and it, which was what it was intended to be. Like I think the DVD they yeah. put out, which was the documentary of it, did really well. And this was kind of like a little nod and a tip of the cap to all those fans. The second one was special as well for different reasons, where it feels really cool to watch, but you're also I feel like you can't help but think there's no way this can last forever. Like this feels like one night, and we will always be chasing this feeling of like where it feels cool and just as big as the biggest company. But it, it never will be. Well, actually, I got to ask. Did you, yeah. growing up in Philadelphia, did you have any any personal attachment to ECW as a as a brand, as like a local wrestling boy? Honestly, no, because I wasn't going to, to local wrestling shows. But, I, I mean, I, I take pride that it was the home of ECW. <laughs> but also, like... I've never been much for like the blood and guts that 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 was. Mm-hmm. Not that there weren't also great wrestling matches in there, but you have to get through a lot of like Bloody Sandman and Terry Funk's like blowing up his testicles, and uh, just that that stuff is just not my flavor of ice cream. But I also respect that there are a bunch of people who really enjoy that, and I think that's what made this idea of like we're getting the band back together. Even the people who are in WWE now are going to come out in their old gimmicks, and you're going to see sort of you're going to get closure. It provided closure to people who who loved ECW. One more time for old time 
This ain't WCW. This ain't Monday Night Raw. This ain't SmackDown. This ain't even WWE. This, my friends, is ECW. Because really, like, it was a very popular upstart, super influential on wrestling on both of those companies, b- mm-hmm. both in terms of, like, the people who were fed in from ECW to WCW and also people who came to, to ECW from WCW kind of rehabbed or changed who they were and then took that into WWE and yep. went on to success there. Dudley's, but, you got, like, uh, Jericho, Dudley's. who spent his time there for a long time. Uh, yep, Guerrero, yeah, Benoit, had the, all Mysterio the was in ECW. Yeah, Mysterio was there for a cup of coffee. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's 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 funny seeing Lance Storm. Yeah, like a lot of guys who ended up having like if nothing else like a solid run or two in in for a couple of years, and then you had a lot of guys who like their thing was they wouldn't really work anywhere else, and WWE brought them back for this specific ECW run because they thought maybe it was a way to like I don't, to kind of shepherd like hey you get like all those people who have nostalgia in, and then you can see if you can like kind of backdoor some other people in there and get and you know, for the next wave of WWE stars. Yeah, I mean, like, the ultimate thing is ECW did, like, it couldn't operate as a business mm-hmm. because that's, that style of wrestling, even in even in the 90s, when it was just sort of no-holds-barred in terms of wrestling on TV or, or at least going in that way, and they were getting, not getting away with, but at least towing that or trying to stretch the their their limits a lot more. It just didn't, couldn't get a TV deal and then couldn't make money, went bankrupt, was bought for like a million dollars for its tape library. Like the brand name had more equity than, than the company could make. So, so you, you, when you do this one night stand and you go, oh, this made a lot of money. And, and then like you say, like, oh, well, let's, we can make more money with this. But you also know, like, well, we're going to fix all the stuff that didn't work, but really like. They had a, on the smaller side, I think otherwise they probably would have been, would have had a better shot at getting a deal, but very passionate audience. So when you change it, that audience isn't interested and you're giving them just another WWE brand and people who are WWE fans are probably watching the others. Mm -hmm. They're like, do you want to see a worse WWE show? Yeah. And then I remember even the first episode... Uh, where they're kind of like, you know, they're bringing out the new people who you can expect to see on 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 the show, which included yeah. a very young and spry CM Punk um, yep. for the first time. But I'm also just seeing it, and I, like you see these guys, it's like, why wouldn't, if you were a fan of like CM Punk, let's say, why would you tune into this instead of just going and watching Ring of Honor or something? Like, that's where the majority of his fan base was. Not that many people really who were WWE fans knew who CM Punk was. This was their big introduction right. to him. So it's just yep. I'm it, from the beginning you're wondering who is this serving who is this for you know it, it's not mm-hmm. for anybody who had nostalgia in the brand they got that from one night stand um, yep maybe if you're a like I, I think that what I remember as a kid being interesting was seeing RVD win his championship for the first time because I I just remembered yeah. him sort of like as a tag guy who would be with who was friends with Rey Mysterio and Eddie and all of them and would do some and had some cool moves so I think that that was fun you know you got to see him come yeah. out both world titles famously
I think that he probably for for people who are WWE fans and didn't know ECW, he was the real bridge to that because during the invasion stuff, he wasn't part like the the invasion was a coming out party for him in WWE. That match with Jeff Hardy, like people who didn't know him and weren't familiar with it were like, whoa, who's this guy? He's ECW. So you have this like positive sentiment about it, and he is ECW for you. Not you don't know who Sandman is. You don't know Tommy Dreamer, even though those people are on TV. Like you don't something they did, I think, on WWE television at least, that would have won new fans over and and told them this is what ECW is about. And and even RVD was like, this is a part of what ECW is, right? Like that. The hyper-violent stuff kind of has to be part of it. Mm -hmm. And how risque their storylines were. And they really let a lot of guys off. Like, Mick Foley really learned to cut a promo in ECW. That informed everything he did for the rest of his career. You would also just see, like, just things that you cannot believe flew in the old ECW. It was like, Pamela Anderson is going to come out, and they're basically teasing that she's going to wind up nude in the show at some point. Mm -hmm. And then they tried to do things like, okay, what can we do to kind of, like, like kind of get that audience on board? And they did the very infamous segment, the, uh, the diva strip poker segment, which... Mm -hmm. It, like, I can imagine that all of those women were ready for just waiting for the earth to swallow them up so they could get out of that freaking segment because it is so <laughs> uncomfortable to watch even now. You know, but again, that's them trying to say like, ooh, this is like, ooh, this is wrestling after dark. You're never, like, you don't get to see this stuff on real WWE, you know, like them trying to like say, like, how do we push the envelope just enough to not piss off our sponsors, but to also get those people to tune into this show. Right. And how they push the envelope is so different than how ECW did. Mm -hmm. uh, even though there are, there's certainly crossover. It's not like two separate circles. There's a Venn diagram there, but mm -hmm. the the way that they pushed the envelope was so different. Again, you're making a WWE show and calling it ECW because they, we got a vampire on here. <laughs> Here's Kevin Thorne, the vampire. <laughs> we, uh, we're going to take Bobby Lashley, who we don't have room for in our main event right now, make him the champion over an ECW. Like, he wasn't an ECW debut, I don't think. No, he was a SmackDown debut. Yeah, he was and, a SmackDown and debut. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of stories at the time that everybody was saying, hide Bobby Lashley from Vince, because the minute that Vince sees Bobby, he's going to rush him to TV, and he's not totally ready. And, yeah. you know, I, like, as a kid, I thought Bobby Lashley was awesome. I thought, like, he was, mm -hmm. like, so, like, he was massive and big and he was so cool. He couldn't cut a promo as well as he can now, but he was still just a, uh, right. just, like, a, just a specimen. And then they just, of course, Vince is trying to find, you know, I think the holes in, in the company started appearing very, very early. And Vince is trying to find what's the shot in the arm. Okay, well, I'm going to mm -hmm. put a guy who I know I believe in. Uh, in Bobby Lashley there, we're going to put the title on him. Yeah. I mean, like, again, is that what people want from a show called ECW? I don't think so. No, not at all. I want to look right, real quick because there's such a weird, the list of ECW uh, champions. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm excited. Like, it's so bizarre. <laughs> I'm going to find the lineage here. Okay. Yeah. We got Rob Van Dam, then the big show, Bobby Lashley, Vince McMahon. <laughs> Who loses it again to Bobby Lashley? This is, you can see, like, that's his thinking. He's like, let me give him the Austin favor. Let's, like, people, like, will want to see Mr. McMahon get beaten up in his most hated place that he's, like, that this audience would hate him and everything. Like, the Vincisms are showing up very, very early. This is one year, less than a year mm -hmm. after it gets restarted. Then it gets vacated because Bobby Lashley gets drafted and they got him off of ECW to Raw. <laughs> then John Johnny Nitro becomes John Morrison wins it. Yeah. Then CM Punk. Then Chavo. <laughs> then Kane, Mark Henry, 
Matt, now, how many of these sound like ECW names to you? We'll just go over here. Mark Henry, Matt Hardy, Jack Swagger, Christian, Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer, there's one guy. Christian. And then the final, the final ECW champion was Ezekiel Jackson. That's just so bizarre. Ezekiel Jackson, I remember, won it on the last episode of ECW TV before it mm-hmm. transferred over to being NXT. So, I, again, you see Ezekiel Jackson, if you guys, for those who haven't ever seen him, look him up. He is a guy who Vince would obviously have a lot of stock in and would believe in just yeah. on the face of it. He's a bodybuilder. You can look at all this cast of characters of, like, Matt Hardy and Christian. I remember at the time, they were calling the ECW World Championship just that, a World Championship. So this was like, Matt's going to get the ECW championship and he's going to have it at the same time as Jeff, I think is the WWE champion. And -hmm. this was like supposed to be the Hardy boys with the two titles with the two world titles that they never got before. So it's like a lot of them trying to be like, Christian's going to get his title. So let's throw some of the, like the sentimental favorites a bone just to kind of get people excited about stuff. Tommy dreamer, another sentimental thing of like, let's just get people who it, it, maybe it'll get a few people to tune out because I, I think they were really looking for a way out at this point. Like it had to be, it. it, it's just, this is just a bizarre wrestling. Fun show. fact about Tommy Dreamer: he's the only guy to hold the title, the ECW title, in both WWE and the original ECW. Although he had it for like two seconds, mm-hmm. I think he had it. He lost it. He he won it on April twenty second, two thousand. Then he lost it. Yeah, to I just didn't incredible. Wa- I didn't watch a ton of ECW, but my understanding of Tommy Dreamer's character is that he was kind of kind of like a lovable loser type, um, yeah. tough, lovable loser, always had a lot of heart kind of guy. Yep. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I forgot the last ECW champion was Rhino. Before they, but he was yeah. in WWE again. Like by the time you relaunch ECW, like all these guys, any of them who are even left have become WWE guys. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, this will also this is also going to tell you like um, <laughs> this show, even when it it even had things going against it that weren't necessarily its fault. Um, if you remember when John Morrison got that title, Chris Benoit was supposed to actually win that championship. He got moved mm-hmm. over to ECW because, again, they're thinking they need a, a strong veteran in place, like somebody who people will tune in for, and then we can maybe see if we can get this off the ground. And Benoit was supposed to be that guy before, you know, the unimaginable tragedy. He wasn't. He didn't show up to the show that day, obviously, and then they had to call an audible and give the title to John Morrison. Yeah. So it's just like, again, right there... That's not anybody's fault in particular, but, like, you can imagine if you're on that show, you're like, oh, great, another thing that we have to, like, work around right now. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Last night on Monday Night Raw, the WWE presented a special tribute show, recognizing the career of Chris Benoit. However, now some 26 hours later, the facts of this horrific tragedy are now apparent. Therefore, other than my comments, there will be no mention of Mr. Benoit's name tonight. Think there was anything that worked about that show? I mean, I think the people that were on it, because I've heard people mm-hmm. like break it down before. Like this was Kofi first, his first appearance on WWE TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, everybody knows what he's done for the company. Sheamus made his debut in ECW and he yep. was actually hot shot at the WWE title. Not long after that, Layla had a yep. great run with the women's slash divas title. She was great. Kelly Kelly, another, she was with the WWE for a while and they still, you know, they still bring her around to do some like raw 30 stuff. So at least she got, she earned a fan base of nothing else. Yeah. Uh, John Morrison, CM Punk. There, there were like talented people there that you could build a wrestling show around. It didn't need to be an ECW show though. No, obviously their third brand now is much better in terms of, of 
of what it is. Yeah. And and that was an attempt. That was like, I mean, everything. I, I, I We've talked about the invasion angle before. Mm-hmm. But I, it's you would need so many episodes to go into what a what an abject failure it was to revive either of those brands. I mean, WCW obviously they had almost no interest in reviving at all. Especially when they're like, "Here, this is gonna be the last hour of SmackDown." Is gonna be WCW. Like nobody wants this. We don't want this. After one time, they stopped. Did you want to see Buff Bagwell and? All these, like, C-listers from WCW doing their thing in the final hour of a major show. No, you didn't. Come on. Yeah, you can't. There's, like, something to ECW being this group of rebels. And I think that's why you could... And also, like, the contract issues for for WCW. Nobody was, like, pining for WCW. Because their decline in quality was so fast and so steep Mm -hmm. that the stuff you were remembering was so long ago... They never got Sting until it was way too late, so that would have been maybe their only chance to do nope, something yeah, there. No Goldberg, no Nash, no NWO. Yeah, they couldn't get all the guys who were collecting checks when the invasion happened. Yeah. Then later on, they, you know, a lot of those guys had already left. Goldberg was gone in 2004. But ECW, people remembered. They were the scrappy rebels who put together this show that was never supposed to to do well at all. But they defied the odds and still are a very important part of wrestling history. So you can get away with, let's do this nostalgia show. And for one night only, we're going to do this. But other than that, you can't take a group of rebels and then put them to work on the Death Star and have it feel the same. (laughs) Yeah, it's just... You just can't. There's no rallying point. There's no us versus them. Um, It was basically, you know, it's like it came off as phony the same way that, like, it comes across as phony whenever they do SmackDown versus Raw. It's like, we know Mm -hmm. all of these people work for the same company. There's no anti-establishment anymore. And you can do things like bring out Paul Heyman, but unless he has 100% creative control, which they were never going to do, just by, aside from a Paul Heyman-led company, I do not know a company in the world that would do that. Like, usually these days we see that the billionaires want to play with their toys, and any delegation that they do is going to have a very strict leash on it. The big show being the world champion, people, nobody's going to say, oh, cool, Paul Heyman's giving his blessing to the Big Show, and the Big Show is awesome now. Nobody was going to say that. They know that the, they yeah. knew it exactly what it was. This was WWE saying RVD is not allowed to smoke weed here. We're going to strip him of the title, and we're going to move on to somebody who we feel like we can trust in the company. Yeah, you just uh, yeah, that's like so there was too much money too. Like it looked too yeah. It, it, very polished, very bright. Yeah. The HD sets were here at this point. Like HD TV mm-hmm. was a normal thing you were getting across every channel. Now they even sanitized the logo. Mm-hmm. They screwed the logo up. Yeah, and I've seen even like um, I think there was like a, a a main event where Batista was taking on the Big Show for the ECW title in the Hammerstein Ballroom. A very mm-hmm. sacred place as far as that brand is concerned. And it was not very well received by anybody who was in the audience. You understand, Batista's a huge fan favorite on SmackDown, but this ain't SmackDown. Here we go. Whoa, whoa, that's not all for you see. Whoa, watch out! Oh, look at Batista coming right back at the big show. I'm about to say, it's not all for you see. Batista getting pushed off, getting pushed off, and getting outpowered. I think everybody was very much pining for something that was never going to to show up. Yep. Like I'm glad for the people that were there and kind of like were smart enough to like adapt what they needed to do to be popular enough to get on Raw and SmackDown. That ended up working out. 
because I think that was like, that's the ultimate like positive when I think back on all that time is just at least some cool people came through that little program and got and managed to get over. Do you think outside of CM Punk that there's anybody who went from ECW to the main roster that wouldn't have done it anyway? Because I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm like, Punk's the one guy who wasn't, didn't really like have the look, even though he beefed himself up when he came in and like was unhealthily large. Seamus would have found his way in. Kofi would have found his way in. Mm-hmm. Johnny Nitro. Well, Johnny Nitro, he was already Johnny Nitro in WWE. Didn't he was already there, and I think this was like his big coming out party as a single star. Yeah. Um, so, like, I can't think of anybody, even the other guy. Like, again, like Kevin, Th- I'm going to bring up Kevin Thorne again, just because he's <laughs> the person I think of immediately. Nothing against the guy. Guy was doing his best, but I don't think they made stars. Mm-mm. I think they were good about giving people a chance. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see anybody who did the thing where, like, the Dudleys are going to go and they're going to develop this act. And it's going to be very ECW. And when they bring it to WWE, it's still going to work despite, you know, whatever minor tweaks here and there that they had to make. Everybody yep. felt like a WWE star in the making that went to ECW because they didn't have room for them on Raw and SmackDown and they wanted them to get TV time. That's what it always felt like. Yeah. Yeah. And- and except for, and yeah, it, it, with the exception of CM Punk, I think the other thing hurting Punk was that he was very much Paul Heyman's boy, famously. Uh, so mm-hmm. he was, like, Paul Heyman really had a lot of things in mind for him. That probably was about as valuable as anything else that Punk could have gotten that would have that eventually translated to him getting to Raw and SmackDown. So. Well, we talked about what happened with Chris Benoit. It creates an interesting, like, if that tragedy had not occurred, what might have been? Would that have resuscitated the brand? Uh, we asked you out in the Nation of Conversation for your thoughts, and Brennan on Facebook said, perhaps the biggest what-ifs, aside from Vince and WWE leadership actually taking it seriously, are what if Kurt Angle stayed in WWE and anchored the WWE roster with RVD? And what if Rob hadn't been suspended after getting arrested for having weed on him? A roster led by guys like Angle and RVD and booked by Heyman with the mission statement of developing the company's next big stars could have been something really cool and special and generally unprecedented up to that point in WWE. And here's the other thing I'm thinking of that that makes me think of. Great idea. Those are great thoughts, Brennan. Thank you for sharing those. Our ECW existed to like survive as ECW. The second you turn it into a feeder system, then it's not like what happens on that brand doesn't matter. With what they're doing right now with NXT and what they've done traditionally hasn't has, has made NXT seem important because being the NXT world champion is a big deal. I don't think I can recall any wrestler saying, I'm going to win this title just because it gets me over to the next place. Mm-hmm. They, they treat that promotion like its own promotion. Right. And that is why it's successful. Mm-hmm. And the ECW always felt like... It's like uh, it's like the tunnel in in a baseball stadium where they can take swings off of a tee. Mm-hmm. I think NXT kind of earned that we are a, we are different from what you see on WWE TV over time, and it was yeah. very organic. It was never like you you go back and watch those like ECW uh, promos. Paul Heyman from the very beginning is saying death to sports entertainment. Those guys all suck. We're here to prove that you we're gonna do things our way and yada yada. yada. NXT never really did that, generally speaking. Um, they right. never said like we came here because nope because you guys believed in us and we, we believe in a new vision of wrestling and yada yada yada. They were just doing their own thing and it got over and it was very cool. Yeah. Even now that NXT is on TV, I think I still don't think it has the same issues that ECW had where it feels too small and big at the same time. I think right. they found the right balance now um, between its own. TV show and it essentially being something to create new stars that'll be on the bigger shows. I think that's a fair assessment and. 
what makes it so watchable. Like you're excited to see them succeed there and you're excited to see what they do and they're on the main roster. Mm-hmm. Like that's what makes it so good. And Mikey on Facebook along those lines said, I think it was a program that unusually unjumped the shark. When it was trying to be ECW again, it started failing fast. When it became NXT 0.5, it was really solid. Yeah. And when you hear that, yeah, when you hear that first pitch, it's going to be a web show designed to groom a younger McMahon to kind of earn the ability to book the bigger shows. That sounds a lot like NXT and what Triple H's vision of NXT was. If it was like a treated as like an it's going to be on WWE.com type once a week type thing, I don't know. Maybe that would have honestly put the show very ahead of its time. But yeah, you know, the minute they see the bottom line of, oh, somebody's going to pay us to put this on TV where we can sell commercials and we can like, you know, like we have another TV deal and we get three shows instead of two. Uh, yeah, we're going to take the money and run. Well, and, and the other important thing is that the wrong W, like uh, Shane McMahon, for for all the things I'm sure he does well. He's not a wrestling promoter. He's not a booker. But there is someone else in the family who is a fantastic booker and and is a great creative mind. But at the time, Triple H was still an active competitor. And that I think is he's the he was the ultimate special sauce. It's like I'm gonna I trust you, Triple H, because you have you have carried a brand, whether people like it or not, he did for a period of time. There's certainly a lot in that run that I didn't care for, like in how it was booked, but the guy undeniably had a mind for the business, and then he came in and was given the keys to this brand, and you got to see the things that you love about WWE creative right now. If you've never watched early uh, NXT, like 2014, 15, 16, you can see all of the DNA in what works now with what he was doing then. Like, he obviously had a mind for it. So the right guy in charge makes a big difference right, too. Right, exactly. And I love the idea that uh, Vince was like, I'm very disappointed in my son. Stephanie, find me a new son. One that I, the one that can be my new favorite from now on, please. <laughs> Bring me a child until Declan is ready yeah. to be handed the scepter and crown. <laughs> the one who worships me will be the next one after that. But for, we need somebody to keep the throne warm for a number of years. <laughs> eventually... I will hand him my cane one day and turn to dust. <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll do a, um, a, a get out brain treatment with Declan one day where I just insert my <laughs> brain into the shot into his, so i may be forever but for now yes triple h will do just fine <laughs> if you have anything more to say about ecw visit us on our social media channels via the links in our show notes when we come back we've got three things from wrestling we want to share with you that's up next on tights and fights look up in the sky it's a bird it's a plane no it's Oh, wait, it is a plane, and a spaceship, and a pilot, and so much more at the Museum of Flight. Oh, I'm always so glad that we get to talk about the Museum of Flight. It's a gem of Danielle's hometown, Seattle, Washington, and the largest nonprofit air and space museum in the world. Experience the history that the museum has to offer with their new audio miniseries, A Queer History of Aerospace. The show explores all the ways that LGBTQ plus people have affected the world of aviation and space exploration. Now, I actually did get to listen to A Queer History of Aerospace. The very first episode is all about Michelle Evans, a transgender Air Force veteran who was actually on base when Mount St. Helens erupted, if you can believe it. So she's got a lot of stories about that and all of her other experiences in the service that you can listen to in the very first episode. It is a very lengthy interview. They get into so much crazy stuff about life 
her career, and so much more. And you got to go listen to it. It's really great. It is the perfect show for any history buffs or those who want to learn more about a group of people that have been left off the walls of history. Like, this is a great era where we're learning more complete histories of of everything from from the ancient past to things that have happened in the last 50, 60 years. And that's some of the stuff that we're getting into here. So you got to check it out. Listen at museumofflight.org slash podcast or search The Flight Deck on your favorite podcatcher. New episodes every Tuesday. Got to catch them all. <laughs> Just like Pokemon. You yeah. got to catch all of the great history. That's I figured you'd like that. That's for you. <laughs> it that's is my birthday. An early birthday gift for you. Pokemon references. What is up, people of the world? Do you have an argument that you keep having with your friends and you just can't seem to settle it? And you're sitting there arguing about whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars, or you can't decide what is the best nut, or can't agree on what is the best cheese. Stop doing that. Listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal only on Max Fun. Your topics asked and answered objectively, definitively, for all time. So don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. this. We got this. Hey, Sydney, you're a physician and the co-host of Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine, right? That's true, Justin. Is it true that our medical history podcast is just as good as a visit to your primary care physician? No, Justin, that is absolutely not true. Uh, however, our podcast is funny and interesting and a great way to learn about the medical misdeeds of the past, as well as some current not-so-legit healthcare fads. So you're saying that by listening to our podcast, people will feel better. Sure. And isn't that the same reason that you go to the doctor? Well, uh, you could say that. But and our podcast is free? Yes, it is free. You heard it here first, folks. Sawbones, Meryl Tour of Misguided Medicine, right here on Maximum Fun. Just as good as going to the doctor. No, no, no. Still not just as good as going to the doctor, but but pretty good. It's up there. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by... Julian Burrell. Took me a second, sorry. It's okay. I'm glad you remembered. You're getting older. <laughs> It's time to share the joy of wrestling with you. This is the three count. Watch my three count. Birthday boy, you're up. I would love for my birthday this year for the strikes to be resolved and for everybody who is striking to get what they so very much deserve. Um, but one of the things that uh, one of the strikes that was resolved not that long ago was the writer strike. That means that certain shows come back into production, including Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, who did a lot of really cool fundraising for the strike while it was still happening. And Last Week Tonight had a little moment. You know, we know that John Oliver has talked a lot about wrestling, and he did it in a sense in the most recent episode about abortion rights. I'm going to play a little bit of it, and you'll hear the wrestling come through once we get to it. You'll know it when you hear it. Lawless territory, no rules, anything goes. It's not only a foolproof plan, it's also the literal premise for the movie Money Plane. No, you didn't hallucinate that during peak COVID. There really was a film about a casino in the sky full of thieves, cartels and arms dealers who can never be arrested because the money plane is always moving in international airspace. If you haven't seen it, you should frankly stop watching this show right now and go watch that instead. If you pop an edible immediately, it should start to kick in right around when you meet the film's villain, Darius Emmanuel Grouch III, <laughs> a.k.a. The Rumble, played by Kelsey Grammer. And he explains the money plane like this. 
Whatever you want to wager on, the money plane has you covered. You want to bet on a dude fucking an alligator? Money plane. Yes! Oh, my lord in heaven above. That movie, it just is the movie that keeps on giving. <laughs> it did give me a lot of joy during quarantine, actually. Uh, us watching that, you could go find our, our, our live commentary of it, our discussion of it. We got a lot of juice out of that freaking movie, didn't we? <laughs> Yeah, and we're still waiting for the sequel. <laughs> what do we need? Another pandemic? We yeah. shouldn't have to wait that long. Maybe we'll actually see, see that alligator in this sequel because that, despite his his promise, you do not see a single alligator in that entire movie. There's a, a amazing lack of alligator fucking in that in that movie. Oh Talk well, Chekhov's alligator money plane. Where is Chekhov, it? Yeah, you introduce an alligator in Act One. Somebody has to bang it by Act Three. You're 100 percent right. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who watched Raw Monday night, The Miz has earned a title shot with Gunther going after the IC title yet again. So figured I'd throw it back to something we've discussed that we talked about when it happened originally, which is uh, The Miz confronting then general manager Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack about the IC title, which he held at that time. Here's a little bit of it. Understand that this is day 141 of the never-ending Intercontinental Championship World Tour, and I swear to you, I promise you, it will be the most relevant title on SmackDown Live. I could care less about those little kids on, on, on for the tag team titles and the women's championship and the WWE championship. This is my show. My show. Oh, Miz, that might honestly end up, when it's all said and done, maybe like the button of his career as in mm -hmm. terms of like this will be the thing that gets replayed a lot in a very long career at this point we're talking like 20 years in the wwe system top to bottom crazy mm -hmm. that's crazy but i i do i agree i think that's the the defining moment and he'll have a lot you know it's not like the only thing there to talk about but it's certainly it was an inflection point and it made 100%. that that show must watch television yes indeed he's the must-see superstar <laughs> Well, that does it for this episode of Tights and Fights. This week, your hosts were the birthday boy, Julian Burrell, along with me, Hal Lublin. You can support the SAG After Strike at sagafterstrike.org. And that is my last, best, and final offer to you. Julian, anything you'd like to plug for your Two of those day? words mean the same thing. Maybe get writers next time. Yeah. They, they, they didn't, they're, not, they're not working with the writers yet, yeah. I guess, on this stuff. <laughs> Uh, you can go listen to the other shows that I work on, The JV Club with Janet Varney, and Go Fact Yourself. Both of them have some good episodes that are out right now, going into the holiday season especially. Also, just resolve those strikes already. I would love for everybody to be able to get back to work so they can do things like afford Christmas presents for their families this holiday season. Yeah, and promote stuff they worked on yeah. that came out, for goodness mm -hmm. sakes. <laughs> Uh, our producer doing double duty tonight is pun night only. Oh, Julian well, I'd Burrell. actually love to plug. No, just kidding. No, I'm done. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> Anything you want. It's your birthday. Yeah. I would like to plug Scorpio season. Thank you very much. And good night. Scorpio season. Everybody. <laughs> Senior producer of maximum fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagles, the voice behind our theme music. So of course we're putting him over for that. We miss you, Mike. Thank you to all the max fun members that keep this show going. Keep up with us all week long on all of our social media channels. You can find those in the show notes. Find our Tights and Fights WrestleMania shirt at MaxFunStore.com. Celebrate ice cream Christmas all year long, especially as we get close to non-ice cream Christmas. Oh. You can fill your Christmas season with ice cream. Yes. What could be better? And t-shirts. And t-shirts. We'll be back next week for more, you guessed it, wrestling. 
Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.